This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with Steve Lightspeed of Deepfake.com. At Adult Site Broker, we've doubled our affiliate payouts at ASB Cash. Now when you refer sellers or buyers to us, you'll receive 20% of our broker commission on any and all sales that result from that referral for life. You can either place a link to us on your site or refer buyers and sellers through an email introduction. ASB Cash is the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage. Check out asbcash.com for more details and to sign up. We've also added an events section to our website at adultsitebroker.com. Now you can get information on B2B events on our website, as well as special discounts reserved for our clients. Go to adultsitebroker.com for more details. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer for sale a network of hot wife and cuckold sites, products, and services. The sites include a community site with free resources including assessments, articles, free ebooks, plus stories, and paid products and services including ebooks and consulting about wife sharing, hot wifing, cuckolding, and swinging lifestyles. A site for those in the wife-sharing community to submit confessions about their adventures in the lifestyle. Users can comment on confessions and vote to forgive them or label them as sinners. And a site with a collection of popular cuckolding and hot-wifing posts from the web. The main site was started as a place that offered people legitimate information they could use to help them make their wife-sharing fantasy a reality. Over time, it gathered a very large following and became the place for people to go to learn more about themselves, their wife-sharing fantasies, and how to make them happen. The site automatically funnels people from free resources to the paid products and services. Anyone who completes a free assessment on the site or downloads a free ebook is entered into a relevant email campaign to sell them on paid products and services. There are over 1,200 user-submitted stories, 48 articles, 72 interviews with real-life cuckold and hot-wife couples, three assessment products, two free, and seven paid ebooks. Only $149,000. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today in Adult Site Broker Talk is Steve Lightspeed of Lightspeed AI. Steve, thanks for being with us today in Adult Site Broker Talk. Thanks, Bruce. Glad to be here. It's nice to have you. Now, Steve is the founder and CEO of Lightspeed Media Corp. He's an AVN Porn Hall of Fame inductee. In 1999, Steve created LightspeedCash.com, which grew from a part-time hobby in one of the web's longest-running and most successful solo girl pay site networks and affiliate programs. Steve currently runs Lightspeed AI, which you can find at lightspeed-ai.com, a technology and services company focused on bringing the amazing capabilities of AI to the adult industry and its content creators community. Steve has spoken at dozens of adult industry conferences and is known for his honest, down-to-earth, and fun approach to the business of porn. 
Steve just launched the first 100% AI site in the industry with deepfake.com, which works basically like a creator's network with 250,000 models ready to send custom, sexy, and nude pics on demand. The site is free to try and an available pro version offering additional image generation options and advanced usability features is available. Deepfake.com has an affiliate program paying 20% of lifetime revenue and a white label version will be available soon. Steve can be reached at lightspeedai, rather lightspeed-ai.com. How'd you like your commercial? Very nice. Thank you. You're very welcome. So, Steve, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to start your own business in the adult industry? Sure. I started out as a computer programmer in Seattle. And uh, in the late 90s, we saw a, a guy on TV talking about how he made millions of dollars by putting pictures of naked college girls online. And my wife just looked at me and said, wow, that's you know, if, if he could do that, why couldn't you do that? And I, I thought, you're the, you're the greatest wife of all time. I can't believe you thought of this, but she said <laughs> I could do it. So yeah, let's try it and see what happens. So I hired a couple of models and took some pictures. I totally didn't know what I was doing. I've never touched a camera in my life. But <laughs> it was just during that time in the late 90s where anybody could put up a site and make money with it. So I literally just started half-assed, didn't know what I was doing, and lucked out timing-wise. And I kind of kind of floundered around for the first couple of years um, until I met Richard and Tanker. Um, I got to where I, I realized that, okay, I can't really do all this myself. There's a lot, lot to running a website and marketing and photography and doing it all by myself. So I hired, hired uh, Tanker and Richard, and things just took off. It was crazy. Tanker knew everybody in the industry. Our affiliate program just blew up overnight. Um, and R Richard got the office and all the websites and servers organized and basically un unscrewed all the things that I messed up. So yeah, we made, it was a, a perfect team. Um, we just started killing it. We hired our first good model in uh, 2000, our first superstar named Tawny Stone. Every, a lot of people have heard that name i uh, remember she, her yeah she was uh she was literally a phenomenon she was one of the first regular girl next door types that had her on the website and it, it was just uh, like i said a phenomenon we we couldn't believe how popular she became and we went full bore like uh probably spent i don't know upwards of a million dollars on marketing for one girl and uh, it really paid off we got to travel around the world. We got to know everybody and uh, got to be part of the industry, which worked out great. Yeah. I, I remember those early days seeing you at the Phoenix forum. Cause by then you were in Arizona uh -huh. and light speed was, you're right. It was a phenomenon, man. Um, you, you really started the whole solo girl thing, didn't you? Uh, you know, I get credit for it. I think we were one of the first that really tried to do, non-porn stars or non-swinger sites everybody else was doing you know amateur sites or or fan sites for for existing models but we were the first ones to go out and like oh, let's hire a waitress and give her her own website and say that she's famous and see what happens 
it just really worked out. Uh, we found out that at the time there was a lot of girls who wanted to do this and just didn't have the resources. No, nobody back then knew how to build a website or you know put server together. It, it was a perfect match. Bonnie and I argued a bit about who made who, but I couldn't <laughs> have done it without her, and she couldn't have done it without me. So it was a uh, we we worked together for seven years and built Lightspeed Cash into what it became. You know, and we we opened 35 sites after her, which it, it just became a, a real thing. And we got it big into the marketing and, and the affiliate side of it. We really like to treat our affiliates as, as good as we could. Uh, we would spoil them rotten at every opportunity. I remember. Yeah, fun. I remember we had a, a party here in Phoenix where I was trying to spend $60,000 on 20 guys in three days. It was oh, kind of like an episode of Brewster's Millions. We were just like, how can we? I was about to say, it, it sounds like the movie Brewster's Millions. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like, how can we go blow more money right now? Let's go do stupid stuff. So we, we did. We, we did all kinds of stupid stuff. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, don't, I do not even want to know the details because I can just imagine, and I'm sure they were very sorted. Uh, well, everybody got their own presidential suite at the Hilton and... Uh, Everybody got massages and jerseys, and we played golf. Uh, we did go-kart races. That's good. We, we had a paintball war, uh, and yeah, it was so much fun. That's awesome. And I remember those days at the Phoenix Forum. Those were good days, man. I, I miss that show so much. That was really where we got our, our big break, was because the Forum was in Phoenix, and we were in Phoenix. CC Bill really just kind of put their arm around me and said, all right, you're doing this show with us. I, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's, what do you want me to do? You know, in the first year, we we threw a. I think this might have been before your your time, but we threw a party, an after party, not realizing that you have to have, you know, bartenders and security and people cleaning up <laughs> and stuff like that. But no, we just stuffed, we just stuffed a room full of booze and told everyone to help themselves, which was. I ended up taking something like $8,500 in damages. People completely trashed my suite three nights in a row. <laughs> Not just once. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Yeah, security probably would have been advisable. Oh, I remember going in the, the party suite in the morning and CeCe Bill was in there with a power sander, sanding the top of the table down because somebody had written all over it with permanent marker. <laughs> And walking through the carpet like squeak, squeak, it was just soaked. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was a little bit before my time there. I think I was oh, there man. for the third year of Phoenix Forum. I think that's when I started. What, what year would that have been? Two thousand. Oh God! Yeah, it's possible. It's, it's, it started in two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, let's yeah, see. Good times. Yeah. Damn good times. And obviously there was Naked Dodgeball, which you started and sponsored and you and Bob Rice. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. ball. Be beautiful Bob. Um, that, had that a real was, good time uh, with that one. That was actually my little son's idea. Of course, he didn't know oh, wow. exactly what we were talking about. But I said, you know, I, I called him my little consultant. I said, hey, <laughs> if you had to entertain a bunch of your friends for an afternoon, what would you do? 
He's like, dodgeball, dodgeball. <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of took it to the next level, right? And how I'm old like, was he then? Ah, we're going to need strippers. <laughs> he yeah, was and how probably, old was he then? He would have been nine, maybe. Oh, well, he probably could have figured out the naked part by then. No, no. He didn't know until he was a teenager. <laughs> Long story. We we did everything pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, Awkward. and Bob was Bob was your MC, man, and he was damn good at it. Yeah. You know, Bob was like a brother to me. Him and I were way back. I, I yeah. started in the industry with him. Yeah. Didn't I do miss it him. All. Yeah, I miss him too. He was my, yeah, he was, he was my mentor, man. Also mm-hmm. my mentor in this business. Cause he was doing a little bit of website brokering and he said, you know, with my new gig, I'm not going to be doing it anymore and you should do it. And I have him to thank for that. I have him to thank for a lot. What, what, I mean, was, he, that, was that when I hired him? No, that would have been when he went to work for that. The last company he worked for in the oh, industry, okay. the ones yep. who yep. kind of gave him so, the bad Gave him the but bad rep, yeah. The, yeah. the year he did uh, the mini kiss in Mexico, that was oh, that God, year. That was great. That was oh, a good time. God, <laughs> super fun. Oh my God! Oh my There's God! There's so many those, stories. You oh, know, we, we just those, lost. Yeah, that's right. You were you were at all those too. Those those uh, events in Mexico and Baja were just classic, man. We had so much fun. I remember. I I spent one of those events. I roomed with Alex Rayolan. Uh-huh. And there was not a sober moment between yeah. either of us. Yeah. And I remember when on the way down, they had a bus from the airport in San Diego and we started drinking at the beginning of the ride. And I got off, threw my stuff in the room and literally passed out in the back of a pickup truck. And they had to wake me up because they had to go obviously probably get beer, I'm guessing. But <laughs> <laughs> those those parties in Mexico were so much fun. Uh, yeah. You know, we just yeah. lost Mark Womack last year. Yeah. I every know. every I time know. I think of Mexico, I just remember Mark going crazy yeah. in Mexico, walking through Mark. that big plate glass window. And, oh, God. Uh, he was, I he had was forgotten about that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, dear Mark. Was, dear Mark. I had stayed in touch with him to the end. It was well, so sad to hear that he had passed. Yeah, it really was. He's much yeah. too young for all that. Diabetic shock, my dear God. Yeah, it was uh, It was very, very shocking to my system to hear mm. that about him because yeah, I had just I, talked I to him. I actually traveled with Mark quite a bit, so I took it pretty yeah. hard. Yeah, I think all of us did. I think anyone who was close to him did because he was one of the most lovely people. Oh, he uh, was very much in the center of everybody uh, everybody loved mark yeah yeah indeed can you share the story of your first big break and how it impacted your career that that would have either been tawny stone or the phoenix forum or combination of both like i said it was ron cadwell from cc bill and frank and joanne really taking care of us and just kind of like yeah we know, we know you don't know what you're doing we're gonna we're gonna show you how and I, I remember uh, Sean Eggert telling me, we're going to blow you so sky high at this show. And everybody thought I owned that show. I know. After you stopped sponsoring, everyone seemed kind of lost, to be honest with you. Well, it, it went on as long as I could keep it going. The dodgeball stuff was tough. Uh, getting t- 20 naked girls in front of 300 guys with cameras on in 100-degree weather is literally like 
planning multiple simultaneous weddings. Yeah, I remember remember the year that, that Girls Gone Wild were there and they attracted the attention of the news and we had news helicopters over the, the Mission Palms. Mm-hmm. And so we had to cancel Dodgeball. That's right. That's the only year we canceled it because there was just too, too much heat. The hotel was freaking out. Yeah, that was, that was a tough year. But the other years were made up for it and lots of fun. But I used to book 60 girls and hope that 15 to 20 would show up. On the day of the event, my phone would just ring off the hook. I can't make it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then sometimes you probably had to grab reserves. (laughs) Uh, You know, in the first few years, we definitely did. But it kind of became a tradition and girls started really looking forward to playing. We had a couple girls that played every year. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think contributed to your rise in the industry? One of the things that we did differently was at the time, everybody was all about $35 payouts and how big can, how much money can we spend on Mm -hmm. one guy? They are all chasing the whales. And we were like, all right, let's, let's not exclude everybody else and worry about one guy. Let's, I said, I'd rather be supported by a bunch of small bricks than one thick rope. No. So we focused on the little affiliates where every, I I wanted 10,000 people sending us one join a day. And that's pretty much what we got to. Uh, It was a very smart strategy until things changed in about 2008. A lot of the small companies just got squeezed out because of market forces. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, the tube site certainly contributed to that. Yeah, you know, it was a perfect storm, kind of took the whole industry by surprise. And we weren't really organized to the point that we could do anything about it. Everybody was friendly, but not involved with each other. I think back then, if we would have realized what the dangers really looked like, we, we might have fought a little harder, but hindsight's twenty twenty. I've been told I should get over it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what uh, they say. I, I am over it. I am totally on to the next thing. I'm ready to release my, my AI site. That's been my 100% focus for the last several years. I knew this day was coming. I kept saying there's going to be a day we'll have 100% virtual models, and it's going to change everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, this uh, this is the next groundswell. No two ways about it. This is the year of AI. I, uh, everybody has been impacted already, whether they realize it or not, and it's going to change everything in adult. Uh, it's it's definitely coming. Right. Well, you sent me some of the details for our talk today uh, using Chat GPT. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's right. I, I haven't written a line of code or a paragraph in a memo since I found ChatGPT. It does everything for me. Yeah, I need I, to use it more, definitely. It actually wrote most of the deepfake site for me. I said, how do you how, how do you make a picture out of AI? And I went, here you go. <laughs> Thanks. Christ. I started following directions. And I said, we have 250,000 girls on the site. It, it actually named them all. It gave them all little biographies. Oh, my God. This is all chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. I find out more about it every day. And uh, I've used it for minor things, but I, I definitely need to use it more. So how do you view the industry now 
and we will get obviously to your new project. But how do you view the industry now compared to uh, when you started? Oh, well, it's definitely a lot more matured now. Uh, it used to be, like I said, any moron with an idea could launch a site and make money. I don't think that's true anymore. Uh, also, back when I started, the models kind of took what they could get. They didn't have a lot of power versus now where they have all the power. The models have really taken their, their rightful place in the industry as I'm the one who's going to be in charge between cam networks and OnlyFans and the flip sites and stuff. The, the models pretty much set their own pace now and they don't have to deal with producers and directors and all the old school stuff that used to happen. Yeah, and their relationships with those people have changed because of things like content trades. Yeah, you know, I always liked the personal relationships part of the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, if I ever did a traffic trade, I want to know the guy. I, I want to have met him personally because I don't want to do business with someone that I don't, you know, I, I would just go and make an ass out of myself. And if they don't like me, my way of letting them sort themselves out. Like, all right, if you don't like me, I, you just saved me a shit ton of time. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> and let yourself out. See ya. You're so funny, Steve. You're so well, funny. You know, you can't win them all. And no matter what I did in this industry, I would always have somebody mad at me about something. Okay. I, I, you can't win them all. Shit happens. Shit happens. You and I have had our ups and downs over the years, but we're two of the survivors, my friend. We are two of the survivors. And we both like baseball, so we got that going for us. <laughs> I don't know where you were, but I don't remember any ups and downs. You're mad at me? <laughs> Not <laughs> anymore. Listen to this. Listen to him. So what changes in the industry led to your early retirement, and how did you navigate that transition? Oh, well, I mean, clearly... Anybody that reads my posts knows that I am not a fan of tube sites. I feel like we just got rolled over. And I, I launched a few sites. I tried a few different ideas, some of the best work I've ever done. And I just could not get traction because all anyone wanted to talk about was tube sites. So I just went, all right, I'm going to, I put all the light speed sites on, on autopilot. Now, they, they never actually went down. They've been getting new sales every day for 20 years. But uh, I just kind of decided, hey, I'm going to, I don't need the money right now. I'm just going to kick back and enjoy my family and do some other stuff. I, I volunteered. I worked with handicapped kids for a couple of years. It turned out to be really re rewarding. I'm glad I did it. I took some mainstream jobs as I was bored and to learn more about AI. Everything I've been doing for the last six years or more has been AI-oriented. And it's it's been fascinating watching how quickly it's evolving. I, I remember in 2015 running a report, and it said the, the ad that makes the most money is the one that you should send the most traffic to. I'm like, oh, that's mind-blowing advice. Thank you. Captain <laughs> Obvious. <laughs> I called it artificial stupidity. But, uh, since then, uh, chat GPT and the image generation stuff. And today I was just reading about they can literally use AI to read your mind. That's terrifying. There is some scary stuff involved with that. Yeah, yeah I think uh, I'm not going to be putting one of those little hats on anytime soon. <laughs> no, 
Yeah, I don't want anybody reading my mind. Yeah, for good reason. <laughs> very, very good reason. So during your eight-year hiatus, what activities and pursuits did you really focus on? You mentioned volunteering. You mentioned your family. How did they shape your perspective on the industry coming back? Well, working in mainstream made me realize that I was born for porn. I, <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, fired from multiple jobs in a row for being me. No, I, I get it. I'm not everyone's cup of tea, and I definitely have a righty sense of humor. And things have changed. You're different, Steve, <laughs> aren't we all? Aren't we all different in this I, industry? I, I just found out that I am, am old, and uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm a, a Gen X, where Gen Xs really don't have a good spot in the workforce anymore. It's all run mm. by millennials. And you know, it's just a different world. Consider yourself lucky. You could be a boomer. <laughs> yeah, you know, I get that. And I think it's funny because I used to have the same issues with my dad as I have with millennials now. You know, mm. I remember my dad saying, there's no reason that you will ever need to connect your computer to anyone else's. What? <laughs> I think you might have missed the ball on that one. Just a tad. Just yeah. a tad. Yeah. Internet, that's ridiculous. No one needs that. Yeah. <laughs> my dad was not a tech guy. Neither was my mom. She worked for the Social Security Administration, and she uh, worked with computers there, you know, the big main mainframes. Mm -hmm. And she did not even want to think about getting a PC. I said, Mom, I'll get you a personal computer. No, I don't want one. I said, hey, mom, you can play solitaire on it. She says, I'll use cards. <laughs> yeah, it's generational. I think most of those people. Oh, have... Big time, big time. She had me when she was 38. So, you know, I mean, I'm 65 I, I feel now. like I was born right at the right time. I was the first generation mm -hmm. that had computers in high school. I mean, me and a few other kids had already taught ourselves at home. When they brought computers in, the teachers had never seen one before. And they're reading out of the book like along with everyone else. And back then the books were notorious for having typos and mistakes. I'm like, nope, that's, that book is wrong. <laughs> and the guy's like, here, you know, you need to go to the principal's office. There's no way this book is wrong. I was going to say, how many times did you get expelled for saying things like that? Uh, well, I, I actually got expelled from Arizona state university for tutoring. For tutoring? Yep. I was 19 years old, very talented in computer programming. I was getting straight A's and trying to use my geek skills to get myself laid. So I saw a girl struggling in the computer lab. And so I helped her out just to get to know her and introduce myself. And they had some whiz bang system that figured out that we worked together. And they called us in the office and said, do you guys know each other? Yeah. Well, did you work together on this project? Well, and she tried to throw herself at, you know, like, yeah, he helped me. And they're like, well, you're both expelled. You knew the rules. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that was the end of my great college career. My, fr my freshman year was the best four and a half years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, you kill me. By the way, you said you, you'd lived in Seattle. Was Seattle your hometown? I grew up on the peninsula in Washington State, yeah. That was my mom's hometown was Seattle. Yeah, I moved to Seattle when I was in my mid-20s. I went from the, the poorhouse to the penthouse. Not a bad move 90s. to make. 
Kind of uh, like the Jeffersons, huh? Well, <laughs> uh, back then, skilled programmers were hard to find. And we had contracts that were paying us uh, $220 an hour, as much as we can stand to work. I was working 16, 18-hour days, billing for all of it. I got just pumping money into the bank. That's kind of how I had money to be able to start Lightspeed. I saved a bit of money during that period. Fantastic. Wow. So what motivated you, besides loving porn, uh, to make a comeback in the industry? And how have your goals evolved since your initial success? Well, I'm back for AI. I have not been as excited about anything like this. Maybe the last time was when I got my first computer or when I first went online. AI is going to change everything. I, I, I just can't. I can't even imagine all the possibilities at this point. I think we're we're all going to be shocked at how much things change and how quickly. I got a question for you about that. Uh, recently, and we, we record this in May, recently Elon Musk went on record as saying that he thinks that people should halt the brakes on AI and Congress should look at it and the government should look at it and there should be some regulation. Of course, at the same time, he develops his own AI product, but uh, what do you think about the dangers of it? I, I think it's they're probably correct that we're maybe opening up Pandora's box and not necessarily for the best. But I also think that there's actually has been people thinking about the ethics of AI and robotics for 30 to 40 years. It's not a new topic. There's Ray Kurzweil from Google has been talking about ethics in AI, his Singularity Institute. He's been talking about that stuff since the mid-90s. You know, they have annual uh, conventions where they get together to discuss how should this work? What should the rules be? Who should be able to do what? And I think that's a big reason that ChatGPT came out the way it did, free to everybody. Let's, let's try this out. Let's not just hold it. Can you imagine if you gave it to certain people only? That gives them a huge advantage and everyone else gets left out. Yes, it's very democratic, isn't it? Um, you kind of have to give it to everyone or it's going to uneven the blank field. Oh, I hear you. So tell us about your new AI image generation product and its potential impact on the content industry. Uh, well, I'm sure everybody's curious about AI and what it can do for models and what it's going to do to the modeling industry. Uh, I have a different perspective on it, probably because I've been working in it longer, but I think it's going to help all of us. I think for models, there's a ton of valuable things that it can help models with, uh, not the least of which is, is privacy. Uh, I know so many models who feel like they made a mistake or... <laughs> Years later, wish they hadn't done it. And hey, if we could have altered your face to where you were just a little bit unrecognizable, you wouldn't be having all these issues now. Um, and a lot of girls go through significant surgeries to maintain their looks. With, with AI, you won't need to do that. We'll take pictures of you when you look your best, and that'll be you for the rest of your life. How many models have been forced to retire just because they got older? Yeah. Very true. You know, the other things I think with AI is right now, girls, they're on OnlyFans, they're on cams. Well, that's great. But the problem is there's only one of them. 
what if they manage 10 versions of themselves where the AI is doing a lot of the work and they're kind of just overseeing the whole operation? That tells me they would make 10 times more money. They could manage their own little networks and still only do the amount of work they're doing now. Yeah, I guess the possibilities are endless. Well, if we could take virtual models and scan their bodies, it only takes a few hundred images now. And the girls wouldn't even have to actually work anymore. We could just use their avatars and make new content from the old content. I tell them I can reduce your your job to going out to the mailbox and collecting your check. <laughs> Not a bad thing. Well, and everyone's like, well, what about personal interaction? Yeah, I think that that's an important thing for a lot of users. But I also know that I've been a porn consumer my whole life. And I've never once gone on a cam show or wanted to talk to any of the models. Well, and there's another thing, too, Steve, that, that you don't bring up. And that is that the most popular creators out there already have people doing chatting for them. They're not doing their own communications. They're either going through an OnlyFans agency who's taking care of the chatters or they're hiring chatters themselves. Yeah. Um, well, the old joke is don't pull the curtain too far back on the porn industry because you're, you're sooner or later going to find a fat, bald guy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably me. <laughs> or a short Filipino. <laughs> um, you know, we've, we've managed Tony Stone's fan mail for over 20 years. I finally said it's just not right for me to do it myself. So I, <laughs> I hi hired my 85-year-old mother to do it. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, maybe we don't put that on. <laughs> Probably okay. No, I think, it's been awesome. I think it years. is. I think, that, I think that's awesome, and it's hilarious. So oh, tell us about – Go ahead, one, one, one guy one guy sent an email. He said, I hope I'm talking to you and not some old, fat, bald, creepy guy. Oh, I wrote God. him back, fuck you, I'm not fat. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote back, I knew oh. it, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's yeah. hilarious. So tell us about deepfake.com. I think some people may be a little bit scared by the name, Steve. Yeah. Okay. So Deepfake, yes, it does have a, a negative connotation because of where yep. people have taken it so far. Right. Up to now, it has been, hey, let's make naked pictures of Emma Watson or Scarlett Johansson. Hey, let's make naked pictures of our uh, college teacher or our, our friends, which that's fucked up. I agree that's fucked up. I think that women should have the rights to their own bodies, including their own faces. And there's nobody would have the rights to steal it and especially to make private appearing pictures that would put them in any kind of weird situation because the, the technology really is good enough. You won't be able to tell. And is she lying and saying it was a deep fake or is she really a porn girl and just doesn't want everyone to know it's going to put people in a weird spot. But on my site, we are, only focusing on imaginary girls. Every one of those 250,000 is a girl that does not exist. So where's the harm? Uh, the, and the, the best part of AI is not even the endless variety, but the ability to create your own out of your own memory. Like I have 
girlfriends long gone that I, I always wish I had a sexy picture of, I can reimagine it and get one that's, it's not her, but it's a pretty good facsimile of someone that looks very similar, which I don't think there's a big issue with that. And as long as you're not publishing it, and especially not with someone's name, saying, hey, this is this is my girlfriend from high school. Now we're talking about art and literature and First Amendment rights. And you know, are you allowed to have private thoughts? And yeah, I think as long as they stay private, what's the problem? But I, I think other people are going to be worried that AI is you know, going to take their jobs, which if they let it, it will. And if they are smart, they'll profit from it because it can make their jobs easier and last longer and pay more. So instead of arguing and crying about it, I think the smart girls will figure out how to get in on it, which is one of the services that we're going to be offering. Talk about that. Well, we're going to help not all, but some models because we have limited resources. We're going to be a little choosy in the beginning. But I want to help especially some of the older models who feel like they're ready to retire. Um, some of those are my dear friends from the last 20 years, and I kind of want to see if we can help them out a little bit. I think Deep Drake is the perfect opportunity for that. Sure. That's awesome. So what are the main controversies and concerns surrounding your AI image generation technology, and how do you plan to address them? The, the biggest problem with AI is it doesn't know what is considered appropriate or not, and it, it does what it's told to do. So if you ask an AI to create a picture of a naked five-year-old girl, it will. I think that that is going to be one of the major challenges. Oh, yeah. And there's all, there's already people producing kitty porn anyway. With AI tools, uh, they're going to be able to go crazy. Yeah. So I've spent countless hours working with programmers and CC Bill and my own lawyers, set of lawyers to figure out exactly what are the lines we're not going to cross. And under 18 is absolutely going to be one of them. Um, you can build in restrictions. The same as you can say no nudity, you can say, no, so you're not going to get Emma Watson. You're not going to get a 10-year-old girl. Uh, you can put in all kinds of restrictions on these. Celebrities are the same. Um, there's already been some good examples of famous celebrities being used in advertisements. Oh, I think that's where the lawyers need to step up and say, wait a minute, you can't use her name and, or her face. Who told you you could? And th those problems have already been addressed. There's already laws in place to deal with that stuff. That's false light and you know, all the different... Uh, legal recourses that, that models have, including copyright and trademark. Mm -hmm. So how does your company intend to minimize any negative effects of your AI technology on models and content providers? Well, I think that one of the main things is we're just not going to say these are real girls. If you want real girls, I fully invite you to go find a real girl. They definitely have their market, and I, I don't want to take that from anybody. But if you're just going to an old pay site, looking at pictures or whatever, building your own girl is a pretty addictive thing. We're, we're really not creating a porn site as much as a software as a service. We're allowing people to create their own 
their own porn. They're, they can be Steve Lightspeed for the day. Hmm. I don't know if you have you tried it yet. It is pretty fun. You talking about yours? Yeah. I didn't know I could, to be honest with oh, you. Yeah, it's free to try. You can build uh, 20, 20 test images a day. Oh, I will. There's also, like I said, a quarter million pre-made images you can look at. And if you like any of them, you can just clone it and give her a different haircut, change her weight or height, you know, <laughs> make her topless, put her in a pool, put her on the moon, whatever you want to do. <laughs> Excellent. So in what ways do you believe your AI image generation product, besides what you already mentioned, can enhance the earning potential of creators and content providers? Well, I think the, the big one is that it can allow them to manage multiple personalities. Yeah, you mentioned that, right? Yeah, I think a smart model would be all over that idea. Because, hey, everybody loves you as a blonde, but how many more people would love you as a redhead or a brunette? or bigger tits, or or whatever. What, however different you want to be. This one's wearing glasses. That one is a dom. You can make content for 100 pictures for 50 cents, and it takes about 20 minutes. It seems to me like uh, if I was a model, I would be looking into that right away. Yeah, definitely. So, again, you alluded to some of this, but get into more detail. How will your technology make the jobs of models and content providers easier and safer? I think the easier you just just mentioned and you touched on safer. Well, safer, for sure. Um, we can easily mask a, a model, give her a different hair color, remove tattoos, or give her a completely different face. She can pick any of 250,000 faces. I like that one. Okay, that's your new face. Ooh, can I change my face? I'd like that. Yeah, you totally could. I go on Zoom as a <laughs> as a Aragorn from Lord of the Rings all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's to the point where you won't be able to believe anything you see. Yeah. Uh, pictures and video. It's getting very, very good. Isn't that kind of scary to a point? Yeah, it's just begging to be abused. That's where I think that we need to work together as a responsible community in the in the yeah. adult industry and set aside like how should this work? Yes. What what should we do? What should we not do? What would we do when we catch somebody breaking the rules so that it doesn't all get shut down? I just think that there's so much potential. All we have to do is curb the greed. Isn't that always the hard part? That is a pretty tall order sometimes. <laughs> big time. <laughs> you know, the, the big issue, though, is, of course, even if the U.S. has laws, if I'm in Russia, I don't care about U.S. laws. The same reason that if China has a law, I don't give a shit about their laws. Yeah, exactly. So what are the long-term goals for your company in regards to the development and implementation of your AI technology in the content industry? My ultimate goal is to create a 100% indistinguishable model that guys can engage with, including, you know, get naked on your bed and do a little cam show. We're probably not more than 18 months away from being able to do that. You answered my next question. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, there's already a lot you can do with video. Virtual avatars are already pretty pretty hard to tell. that. They're not real. And the voice stuff is dead on right now. They're really getting good at that. 
the technology is pretty crazy. There's no two ways about it. So as the content industry continues to evolve, what do you envision for its future? And how do you see your company and its technology playing a role in shaping that future? Well, that's where, when I started this, I said, I, I don't want to just create a product. I want to create services because I, I believe that everybody is going to want to implement AI into their business models in, in various ways. And there's so many different ways to do it right now. And there's so few people that are really trained or have the experience, especially in the adult industry. There's, there's not many that know much about AI at all right now. Yeah. So you see yourself working with a lot of other companies. Yeah, I want to I want to become the AI source for the adult industry. Well, it sounds like you're definitely leading in that regard because I don't see anybody else stepping up like you are in AI. Uh well, it's a dangerous game. Uh there's so much so much risk and that's where I think I have a little bit of a advantage because I have solid relationships with so many people in the industry. I don't think an outsider could come in and immediately say, hey, I'm not going to abuse this. You could trust me. Uh, You know, the average person is going to say, I've never heard of you. I don't trust you as far as I can throw you. Isn't that the case, though, an adult? I mean, you really need to have credibility to do anything in this industry. I mean, that's it all comes down to that. Well, we've seen it all before, haven't we? How many people have we seen come, take from the industry and then leave? Lots. And that's where when I see, I get Facebook requests and I see that, hey, we have 30 people in, that we both know. That is a person I'll, I'll admit right right now. Like, yeah, if you're friends with my friends, you're going to be my friend too. But if I see someone pop in that out of the blue, yeah, probably not. You might need to explain who you are and what do you want first. So they haven't thrown you off Facebook yet, huh? Oh, m- many, many times. I finally gave up. I'm I'm not playing uh, Zuck's game anymore. Well, when when Mark Womack died, I deliberately posted the picture of Mark triumphantly displaying his nuts for the world in a giant group, group picture from Mexico. And I got banned immediately. And it was worth every minute. You know, it was my, my way to say goodbye to Mark. Oh boy, and you did it you did it good. You did it good. Well, hey Steve, a great talk. I'd like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk. We got over all the technical issues and I hope we'll have a chance to do it again soon. Thanks. Yeah, I'll check back in with you after Deep Fake is more established and let you know how it's going. Sounds good. My broker tip today is part 9 of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Last week, we talked about what information to provide a potential buyer. Here's more. Tell them what's special or different about your site. How is it unique? Make sure and include a list of all the websites you're selling in addition to any domains that come along with the sale. Is there anything that adds value to the sale? Provide them with any additional information upon request. Before giving a buyer any information, have them sign a non-disclosure agreement. If you use a broker, the NDA will be provided for you. Good brokers, uh, like maybe, I don't know, adult site broker, have a large resource of potential buyers that are looking for properties just like yours, and they know how to deal with potential buyers. They'll also negotiate the terms of the sale, such as the price and any payment terms. 
Before closing the sale, find a good escrow service to make sure that both the buyer and the seller are protected. We have those resources, of course. Let's talk about some of the factors that influence the sale price of a website. Number one is always profit. It will be a multiple of the profit, and that multiple is based on whether the profit is trending up or down and how fast it's trending up or down. I've seen valuations of as much as five times, although that's very rare. Normally, it's in the two and a half to four times area. I've also seen valuations of one time if the profit is taking a nosedive. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week, we'll be speaking with Kevin Stoltz of Eroticism Magazine. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Steve Lightspeed. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.